Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. And uh, we're in Acts chapter 3. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you uh, about the fact that it's time and a time is coming. It's both time and we're looking forward to a time that is to come. And we're in Acts chapter 3 and I'm going to pick up from a passage that we've already looked at but I, I'm, I'm trusting that as we, as we look at this that there's something of what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to our attention through what Peter was saying to, to those that he was preaching to on the occasion of a miraculous sign and a wonder. Okay? So for the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at the way in which God broke into this world. He broke into people's mindsets and paradigms and he challenged them and he did it with a supernatural encounter, with a miracle. And um, so what happens is in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they're off to go and pray. They're going to go and pray at the temple. That was the the custom. And as they're heading that way, there's a guy who's uh, begging. He's at the gate. The gate's called Beautiful. So, you know, they know exactly where this thing took place. And we know from the end of chapter 4 that this guy had been there for over 40 years. This guy was a professional beggar. And... um, so he's asking for, for something. And so Peter and John say, hey, dude, look at us. And he's giving them full attention. And he's hoping he's going to get some, some money. And they say, listen, we've got something far better for you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. So rise, get up, and walk. And immediately, instantaneously, his ankles, his feet are strengthened, straightened, and he has the ability. He's never walked, come on, think about this. He's never walked a day in his life. He didn't go through the toddler crawling stage and then the toddler trying to learn to pull itself up and then get balance. Are you you recognizing how astounding this miracle is? He bypassed all of the baby phases. Learning how to kind of, okay, so is it left, is it right, what is it, how do we do this now? There was strength in his muscles. Those muscles had never been used to support his body weight. And he hadn't been exercising in the gym. So what kind of condition or size, what he, we, we don't know, but... Instantly, he's up, he's on his feet, and he has the ability to walk. And then he's jumping and he's leaping around and he's praising God, and it's instantaneous. This is phenomenal. Talk about acceleration. 
For little ones, we're actually quite glad sometimes that the acceleration doesn't come on them. Because the little pitter-patter and the running around and, and, the, and the chaos that those little ones can cause, we, sometimes we're actually quite grateful that they can't move too quickly. But acceleration comes on this guy. It just absolutely blows all of their minds. And the people kind of like are freaking out because of this miracle that's taking place. And uh, so this guy, he's hanging on to, to Peter and John and he's kind of, like, the, the, the chaos now needs to be addressed. And, uh, well, let's pick it up from verse 11, Acts chapter 3. While the, men held, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. The people came running and they were astonished. There was astonishment inside the gathering of God's people. This is a bit like on the day of Pentecost. They were amazed, bewildered, perplexed, astonished. Kind of like, what is going on? Church should be a place where people are amazed and astonished. If you can predict what's going to happen next, probably isn't the church of Jesus. Ouch. Ouch. I was saying to Daryl this morning, you know, we, we, we thought the worship would go this way and it went that way and it was a bit of a surprise. I said, you know, this is absolutely wonderful, even if we surprise ourselves, but let's continuously be in a place of surprise. Because then we're in a place where we're flexible and when Holy Spirit breaks in and takes us in another direction, whatever it is, we actually have got the muscle memory to be able to go with where he's going. And as a company of people, that's who we want to be. As the family of breakthrough, we want to be a people who are flexible, able to adjust, able to go with what God is doing. We move away from predictability. Mm -hmm. So the people are astonished because here they are in the temple, the place of God's worship, and God has done something that has surprised them. They were surprised in the place of his presence. Smile at me. It's going to be okay. All right? It's going to be amazing. Astonishing. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we had made this man walk? And we've referred to this in the past. It's not about us, it's about him. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though Pilate had decided to let Jesus go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. And as we head into this this weekend, we, we remember the Passover and we remember that he was the Passover sacrifice. And all of the, the signs that, that they observed through the Passover and all that Jesus 
did by being with them, the rock that was with them in the wilderness. Water came from the rock. The Spirit of God, the Ruach, the wind of God, blew all night and made a way where there was no way and they crossed over the Red Sea on dry land. And how the father carried them, he says, as a father carries his child, I bore you, I carried you through the wilderness. The Trinity involved. But all of that was preceded by the the Passover as, as they came out from being in a place of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And they came out of that, they were set free. (laughs) We were in bondage and in slavery to sin. And because of Passover, the judgment passes over us. We've crossed from death to life. So Peter is busy explaining to these guys what was going on. Verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and you know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. The reason why this is causing such a stir, and we see it again in chapter 4, when the Sadducees are absolutely blown away by what's going on. And we know that the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in resurrection. And Peter is saying, listen, this miracle... It's the name of Jesus. Jesus is working powerfully. Now, you killed him, but he was raised from the dead. Now, the sad, you see, are conflicted because they can see they're astonished as well as all the people because now here is a miracle that is confronting what was a previous wrong religious way of thinking. And they're really conflicted. Because they don't know whether to rejoice with this miracle or not for another reason. You see, we know that the Pharisees were lovers of money, right? And so whenever those religious guys were were cruising around and, and they came across a beggar, they had to do their acts of kindness, of charity, The Bible will often describe it as good works. Doing your good works before men. And so they would have to give to this guy who is begging. And they look at this guy and he's no longer crippled, which means they no longer have to give them money. And they're really glad because they don't like to part with their money. But they're conflicted because, oopsie, it's in the name of Jesus 
who's been resurrected from the dead that is now healed. But we don't believe in resurrection. But it was the power of the name of Jesus, the resurrected one, that he's healed. And we can see he's healed. But we wish he wasn't healed. We're glad we don't have to give him any more money. But our theology is absolutely messed up now. Not everybody likes miracles. Not everybody likes it when God does things that amaze us. So Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's really going great guns. And this is amazing. Because this is the same guy, all right? The same guy, one-on-one with a servant girl. Very low ranking in society. The kind of person you could easily talk down to, you could dismiss. And he couldn't hold his own talking one-on-one. And here he is now, filled with the Holy Spirit, emboldened, empowered by the Spirit, and he stands, and he's now confronting those who possibly were part of the same crew who shouted, crucify, crucify. This is, I mean, we read the scriptures, and because we know the stories, we gloss over it so easily and quickly, and we don't actually immerse ourselves in what it was actually like in those times. Like, on one week, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Palm Sunday. One week later, crucify, crucify, give us Barabbas. It's the same people. And now Peter turns the table on them. He says, you killed the author of life. Now that's like straight up in your face accusation. Yeah? Okay. Verse 17. It says, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Oh, this is immense humility, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is Peter... The same guy who's going to chop people's ears off. He's saying, it's okay guys, you acted in ignorance. I mean, that is an immense turnaround. Like, don't you touch Jesus, I'm going to cut your ear off to, it's okay guys, you acted in ignorance. That is a massive change of heart. Right? Okay. So, by the Spirit, he's also walking in the same Spirit Jesus had forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They're acting in ignorance. They don't know what they're doing. Hmm, how does this fit with us? 
when people are doing all kinds of things that are anti the gospel, that are anti the way, the life, the truth. Are we like Peter? Let's pick up a sword and collect a few ears. It's about heart. I'm not saying we just lie down and let the world roll over us. That's not what I'm saying. But it comes from a correct heart attitude. It's not the heart attitude which is, Jesus, can we call down fire? He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. You guys have got your Sunday go to church face on. But you know, sometimes when we watch something that's been going on in the world or in our nation, and we get really worked up about it, it's like, you know, we... Things get stirred up in, in, okay, all right, you guys are, let me just tell you about my world. Okay, I know that you guys have got this sorted, but it just absolutely bamboozles me when, you know, one of the foremost nations on the world, in the world, they, they elect onto the Supreme Court one of the judges who will, for the rest of her life, as long as she's alive, she will be a judge. This is like the highest court in the Western world, so to speak. And she's a, a woman who doesn't know how to define a woman. So then, how does this work? And for me, this is confession time, for me things get stirred up. And I have to deal with my judgments and my heart attitudes. I'm so glad that you, know, you guys aren't troubled by these things, but I'm just, you know, some of us mere mortals, we have to go through these things, so pray for me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, Peter, he can say, you acted in ignorance. In other words, he's not heaping judgment and condemnation. There's no bitterness. There's no vengeful spirit in him. It's extraordinary. Verse 18. I'm going to get to where we're supposed to be. Look, it's raining. There isn't really much else that you want to do today. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets. God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets. And Peter is linking something that's happened and been fulfilled and we see the, the interaction between the prophetic promises 
that God is saying, this is how things are going to be, going to happen. And now we're going to see in a moment, he's saying, now, there are other things that have been prophesied and foretold, haven't yet been fulfilled, but what's the link? They will be fulfilled. If these things were foretold and prophesied, they were fulfilled. Then these things that have been foretold and prophesied will also be fulfilled. Might not have happened yet, but just as that happened, and that was like, wow, how is this likely? How can this be? They could not understand the suffering servant. They couldn't understand the Messiah that would suffer. And it, it messed with the way they were thinking and what they had predicted it would, would work itself out. They had a particular interpretation of the prophetic words. And it was implemented in a way that kind of, they missed it. Oh, Jerusalem, you missed your day of visitation. When God begins to fulfill these things, let us not be too narrow-minded that we miss how he is fulfilling these things. Are you okay? All right. I'm getting to the crunch. Fortunately, it's not a pinch. Love that. Must pinch you. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent and turn. Be refreshed. It's time for refreshing. The thing of repenting, the thing of turning. Repenting is primarily changing the way you think. In many Christian environments, they think repenting is snot and trana. A lot of tears and stuff coming out your nose. That's translation there. That's remorse. That's different from repent. People can be sorry for what they've done and they continue to do. That's not repentance. That's just, I'm sorry I got caught. That's, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's, he's actually saying, listen, Change the way you think. That's the metanoia. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't think according to the old ways, the carnal ways, because that sucker is dead and buried. Now, in Christ, we're a new creation, a new creature in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. 
So don't think in old ways because it's dead. Don't reach into what is now in the grave and pick up that kind of thinking. That's not you anymore. Okay. I'm tempted to go back and do Colossians all over again. Because there's been too much befuddling of the body of Christ where people are confusing what the truth of the scriptures say about us and what they're experiencing. Scripture says that sucker, he's dead, he's buried, done, over, crucified with Christ, he's gone, is no more. That's the old. But us, in Christ, we're a new creation. We've been made alive in Christ. That thing is not raging on the inside of you anymore. That's what the scriptures say. I'll do Colossians again. There's a turning from and a turning to. And this which was a lie, it was cyanide, it was poison, but it had this lovely coating of sugar over it. And we thought it was attractive, we thought this is a delight, but in actual fact it was going to kill us eternally. So we turn from those things which were attractive to discover it was fake. And now we've discovered the genuine. And as we turn towards the Lord, as we repent and we turn towards him, we discover that we indeed are refreshed. What the lie tried to entice us with and try to promise could not deliver because it was going to result in death. This truly is refreshing and it brings life. Times of refreshing will come to you. It's time to walk in the refreshing of what he has done for us. And for, for some parts of us, you see, when we come to Christ, immediately our position is we are righteous. That's our position. But our condition still needs a bit of work. All right? And so that's called sanctification. And the Spirit is working powerfully in us to cause us to become more like Christ. To cause the, the fruit of the Spirit to be developed. So when they look at us, they say, you're the splitting image of your father. Because you're made in his image. And now you're actually walking out. You have the countenance. You have the, bear, you have the presence of your father. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the father. Exactly. Ephesians says, he's the exact radiance of the Father, the exact representation of the Father. 
as he represented the Father, we are being changed more and more into his likeness. We too will reflect his nature on the earth. They look at us and they say, oh, you got your father's eyes. Really, yeah, because you see the same things. You see things the same way he sees them. You have your father's eyes. Okay. So as we turn to him, we are refreshed. And there's more and more refreshing that is available to us the more we step into the fullness of who he is and what he has for us. And that's available for us now. Repent, turn, times of refreshing will come to you. It's time to be refreshed. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a bit heavy and a bit downcast, it's probably because you're thinking in ways you shouldn't be thinking. And you're probably looking in directions you shouldn't be looking in terms of your heart. If we're looking at what the enemy's doing, we're giving attention to what the enemy's doing, it's going to so fill our hearts and our minds, it's going to drag us down. But if we turn, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? It's going to cause life and refreshing to come. Some people, some believers wonder why they're not refreshed. They're drinking from the wrong stream. Not going to the river of life. Not only that. Verse 20, that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his prophets. What's God going to do? Restore everything. How do we know this? He promised and told us through the prophets. Come on, can we see what was happening now? He said, times of refreshing have come. Why? Because the Messiah, it was foretold, it was promised and was prophesied long ago and it was fulfilled. Now, this other thing, he's going to restore some things. He's going to restore a few things. He's going to restore all things, everything. How do we know this? Because he's promised, he's prophesied, he's told it from long ago. It will be fulfilled. There's this direct comparison. The coming of the Messiah, the suffering servant, it was prophesied, foretold, the prophets said it, and it was fulfilled. Everything is going to be restored. It was prophesied, promised, foretold, it will be fulfilled. Now we don't yet see it. <clears throat> Need to try and find the accelerator pedal here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 say that, we do not yet see everything 
under his feet. But we see Jesus. What the writer to the Hebrews is trying to say to them is, okay, so there were a lot of prophetic words, a lot of promises that everything was going to be under his feet. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not hard. Right at the very beginning, when that slithery, slimy serpent deceived Eve, God prophesied. He said, of the seed of the woman, one will come. Who will? Crush. Jesus, born of a woman. The second Adam. Where the first Adam failed. The second Adam Under his feet. We don't yet see it fully, but we will. What is promised, foretold, prophesied is going to happen. Hmm? What else did the prophet say that we haven't yet seen? Ah. All nations will come and will bow before you. But we don't yet see it. We see a little bit more like Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? We see chaos on the planet. We see nation rising up against nation. We see all these things. We don't yet see nations coming and bowing before the throne. We don't yet see it. But it's prophesied from every tribe and every tongue and every language. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. How about this one? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now therefore, you guys go. And preach the gospel to all nations. And baptize them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And command and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Okay, How much of that are we seeing? It's not yet fulfilled. Okay. But if God gives an instruction and he gives a promise, he's going to fulfill it. So where are we now? Well, with regards to this... It's not yet time, but the time's coming. So when we look at what's going on in our own nation, we don't get ourselves in a place of deep despair as though this was the end because it's not yet the end. God's got good plans and purposes for this nation. Right now, eh, 
Not looking so good. Hang in there. Hold on. Keep the faith. It's been prophesied and promised. His good plans and good intentions for this nation will be fulfilled. When we look at what's happening up in Europe, and trying not to interrupt myself with what I really think about what's going on there. I mean, okay, I'll half interrupt myself. How long has the war been going on? How many crops have they managed to harvest? How many crops have we lost already from the Ukraine? And the food shortage came from where? And we haven't yet lost a crop. And yet we've got world food shortages. Dunk a biki. Dunk. There's a lot going on. But let me come back to where we're at. We can be so caught up with all these other things that are going on. And we can begin to think in alignment with the fake analysis. Like the devil's winning. Like the kingdom is not advancing. Or we can align ourselves with the promises. For unto us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders of the increase of his rule and his government there will be no end and he will rule and reign with justice and righteousness Hmm? have we seen it yet not yet hey shepherds we've got a lovely little show for you here and um, let's blow some trumpets Lights, action, voices, peace on earth, and goodwill to all mankind. Are we seeing peace on earth? No, we're not. The God of peace, Romans says, will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's still the God of peace, and he's still about crushing Satan. We don't yet see it, but it's going to happen. Why is this important? It's important for us to recognize that the promises, the prophecies will be fulfilled. Don't give up hope for our nation or for the planet. From the days of John the baptizer, the kingdom of God has been advancing forcefully. And intentionally, violently, intentionally, um, people aggressively lay hold of it. This kingdom is advancing. And it's going to take the believers to rise up intentionally and with a lot of gumption actually go after this. Mm. Now is not a time to kind of go, It's not fair. Look how terrible it is. No, no. Rise up, church of God. Rise up in faith, in prayer, 
Strength in the Lord. Carry your light wherever you go. And don't put it under a bushel. Put it up on the lampstand. Let it be seen. Be salt. Wherever you go, people are... In the office, you're a bit salty, eh? Exactly. Yeah. That must be the flavor of the office. Yeah, you the flavor of the month. This month and next month and the month after that. In fact, all year long, you're the flavor of the month, salty. He's coming. He's coming for a victorious bride. He's coming in victory and in triumph. You see all the stuff going on in the world right now? Don't be disheartened. Don't be panicked. Seriously, don't stress. He's not coming back this week. We're not ready. Wish we were. But we're not. So don't get caught up in all kinds of craziness. Come on. Let's advance the kingdom. Let's do whatever we can. But we're doing it from the point of knowing that what has been promised will be fulfilled. So if there's mess, don't worry. He's coming to sort it out. And we're co-laboring with him to sort it out. Okay. Let's stand. Verse 24 said, Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abram, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Oh, Thank you, Lord, you've turned us. Thank you, Lord, for reaching into our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished on the cross. And this week, as we, as we stop to think and to reflect all that you went through to be that perfect sacrifice, to take upon yourself the sin of the world, and the judgment that would have come to us, you took it upon yourself that we would not have to face that judgment. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're asking that we would step into these times of refreshing, that we would be looking to you to see what you are doing, not looking to what the devil is doing and become depressed, but look to you and be inspired and encouraged with what you are doing. And thank you, Lord, for hope that rises inside of us that the best is yet to come. You're still at work, you're still busy, and you cause everything to turn around and work in accordance with your plans and your purposes. So Lord, let hope arise, let a courage and a boldness take a hold of your people, that we are content in every circumstance, even as we sang this morning.
that your kingdom is coming among us in increasing measure also as we sang this morning. So Lord, let strength and courage fill each heart and mind. Let your peace, which goes beyond human understanding, would you fill, saturate, permeate every part of our heart and our minds. Give us unreasonable peace because you are the Prince of Peace. Cause us, Lord, to live in a place of confidence and hope and trust in you. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Bless you.